fellow sports photographers. My name is Dean Mctropoulos, aka All Sports Snapper on social media, and I'm a Getty Images sports photographer. Welcome to the Sports Photography Philosophy Podcast, the podcast where I have open discussions with the world's best sports photographers, as well as speak about my experiences covering various events, giving you an insight behind the long lenses from the men and women who fill our sports pages, websites, and magazines with amazing imagery. You should all know the drill by now, but if you've just found my not-so-regular show, please get in touch with me with any questions, comments via Twitter or Instagram on AllSportSnapper or my website, AllSportSnapper.com. Uh, last show, I mentioned that I'd be doing an interview, but as schedules have not matched up, so it's another solo effort for me. Today's show, you'll hear about my experiences working at the Rolex Tennis Masters in Paris. From start to finish, you'll get a breakdown of how I shot the event, what I look for, what is expected of me um, from our live clients, as well as the occasional tangent. I also squeeze in a Champions League football match between PSG and Underlecht on one of the nights. So it's a bit of a different week, um, and uh, I hope you enjoy the sports photography Here I am on day two on uh, the Rolex Paris Masters. Um, I arrived yesterday for day one. Day one was a very, very long day. Um, I live a good four and a half hours away from Paris. And uh, as many of uh, my fellow sports photographers all know, uh, if you have children, you don't really try not to... Uh, leave home as often as you did when you were a single man so a woman so I uh, stayed home on the Sunday night and then drove left my house at 4 just after 4 a.m. to arrive in Paris for 10 a.m. Um, that gave me six hours um, but driving into Paris at 9 o'clock in the morning as many will understand living anywhere near a major city is a bit of a nightmare so I drove in, made it in time for the photographer's meeting. Um, for those of you who don't know, usually before every event, um, every bigger event or long event, we have a photographer's meeting. Um, sometimes you have them at smaller events too, but um, shorter events. But most of the time, you have them before a major event. And you will uh, sit around and uh, the photo manager will tell you about where you can go, where you can't go, um, you know, uh, where positions will be marked for later on in the tournament, you know, for the major, for the bigger agencies and all that kind of thing. So I uh, made it there for that and then pretty much it was straight into the event and then, um, yeah, long day, like I said, you know, left the house at four, I think I left here just after nine o'clock at night. Um, after a shooting various uh, tennis matches, obviously, uh, on centre court and court one. Um, just in case anybody decides to look up my pictures, the light on court one is pretty terrible. Um, this event, over I've covered this event actually a couple of times over the last four or five years, and it used to be called the BNP Masters. Um, in Paris um, now Rolex is the major sponsor <coughs> so anyway this is day two um, I am going to go and uh, we've got a British guy named Kyle Edmund 
who will be up first. Uh, he'll be on in about half an hour or so. So I'll uh, go out, shoot, uh, take some pictures of him. Um, the interesting thing here is um, some of the players come out with um, with spotlights and you know, sort of like to a bit of a show, laser show sort of thing. So that can make a few interesting portraits of the players. Uh, and then uh, yeah, we'll uh, report in tomorrow and about how today's or well, tomorrow in about three seconds for you. Um, how the day went today, and then uh, we'll do a little updates on uh, how our day went. Second recording of the day, um, still day two of the PN, sorry, not the BNP Masters, the Rolex Masters in Paris. Um, I am just in an underground car park, I don't know if you can music stopped but there's some uh, classical music playing just to calm the Parisian drivers down as they put their cars in their very very small car sp uh, parking spaces um, very close to Paris Saint-Germain ground PSG Parc de Princesse, Princess something like that um, yeah so in, uh, I've shot uh, the morning session I shot a uh, good f six or seven matches uh just a few action sequences a few celebrations dejection that kind of thing from the first uh, second day of uh, the tennis and uh afternoon seeing as i'm here um it's been on the uh, my agenda for a for a few weeks now ever since the draw came out really um i am uh shooting a football match in the evening and then tomorrow I'll be back at the tennis. So uh, in between my tennis roundup, you will uh, get a bit of a roundup of uh, how I go at PSG. So it's a Champions League match, Paris Saint-Germain versus Anderlec, uh, French versus a Belgian team. Um, I actually shot the last match uh, with uh, my colleague and one of my, um, how should I say it without sounding like a bit of an idiot, uh, heroes in photography. Um, de definitely one of the best photographers out there. Can shoot any event and shoot it well. Sean Bottrell. Hello, Sean, if you're listening. Um, I don't think he does, though, but if anyone hears this, they can pass on hello to Sean. I don't think Sean uh, would waste his time with my podcasts. But anyway, um, so yeah, I shot the first match with him. The game was 4-0. It wasn't a very good performance from both teams, but it was still a very, very easy match um, for PSG. And uh, yeah, this is the return leg. So uh, more to follow up after the game. Uh, I'm here actually as well uh, to mention four hours before kickoff. Um, actually about three hours, sorry. It took me about an hour to get uh, 10 kilometers uh, driving in Paris. Uh, after five o'clock, uh, again, anyone in any major city will know how that works. Um, so yeah, f an hour to get, not very far, uh, park, go to the match, shoot the match. And the good thing is, again, is I have uh, uh, Justin Setterfield, a photographer slash picture desk slash ed um, field editor now. Um, he seems to be shooting more and more, so I'm very grateful to have a, uh, and very lucky to have a fellow photographer editing my pictures, and I think, you know, again, I don't want to sort of pick on editors, because I was one as well, but I always think that a photographer 
uh, if an editor is uh, a photographer, edits someone's pictures, they just take a, again, this is just my personal uh, observation, they just seem to take a little bit more care um, when cropping a picture. Um, I know that I, as an editor, would treat every picture that I was editing as my own photos. So even though it never had my name on it, and even though, you know, the photographers, um, I always felt like, you know, if that picture is in my possession, then it is my photo. And I feel that when Justin edits my pictures, um, Justin does that for me. So um, um, I'm very, very confident that I'm gonna get a very good edit, a uh, good tight edit from, um, from Justin Setterfield. So uh, if you listen to this, Justin, hello. Uh, so thanks, and I'll give you a report after the match. I'm back in the tennis, in the media room, uh, morning after the match, uh, and a very long day. So yesterday I got, I think I was 10, by 10 o'clock, 9.30 on the pitch, uh, on the t- in the tennis court, uh, ready for some tennis and then obviously the match last night which you just heard about and it all went really really well um, from experience um, and doing the last match which was a the 4-0 drubbing away at Underleck. Um PSG I did PSG attack both halves and uh, just as I predicted Justin did a great job with my edit um, he uh, sent all the pictures as he should have, and uh, lots of pictures, uh, you know, quite a few celebrations, which was pretty uh, expected considering it was 5 0. Um, the thing was that even though it was 5 0, and this is the funny thing with sometimes with these games where a team dominates, the, you know, the celebrations weren't. Um, I mean, for example, the first goal was by a player named Verratti. Uh, Verratti, Italian player, number six, uh, great great player you know sort of a midfield little general um he scored the goal and i was on him for the goal and you know bad picture of him scoring a goal but you know we still sent it whatever um those pictures run a lot of times in the newspapers or the websites you know even though it is a not a very good photo but anyway that's not the point the point is that uh, he scored and i sat on him um I sat on him in, in terms of, uh, not literally of course, uh, I sat on him in terms of, uh, you know, kept the, the lens pointed right at him and uh, he didn't do anything. Uh, I was sort of lift my head up just for a second just to see and everybody starts running towards him and I just thought, you know, it wasn't even a, you know, like a look at me, I just scored a goal. It was like, oh, I scored, you know, big deal. It's only Underleck. You know, and that's the thing. If if you see these games, uh, these teams, these these you know these elite players uh, score goals against a um, uh, a team they expect to win, sometimes you don't get the reactions that you'd uh, you'd expect. You'd um, yeah, you get more of a bit more muted. So you know, if Verratti scored against a a Barcelona or a Manchester City or Manchester United or whatever, you know, any of these bigger clubs, then the players, I don't know why, but they seem to show, seem to show more emotion. So, uh, yeah, even the, the only player who showed a little bit of emotion was uh, the left back, I think he is. Um, 
he actually scored a hat-trick, a defender scored a hat-trick last night. And um, he seemed more angry at his own supporters. I think from from what it looked like to me anyway, it looked like he was, he'd been getting grief of uh, his own uh, fans and uh, was telling everybody to shush, you know, put his finger up to his lips and told everybody to hush after he scored uh, every goal he scored pretty much. And he was pointing at his... Uh, other um, uh, pointing at the fans and even some of his teammates came up and sort of like told him to you know don't do that you know don't piss them off <laughs> so yeah a bit of a weird match but uh, yeah we got everything we cover uh, needed to get and uh, for a few websites um, seemed to run a lot of the, a few of the pictures um, that I you know, had a quick scan this morning of from the match last night so Getty got a, a bit of a showing uh, on the, on websites and stuff so that was good and uh, yeah, so uh, long day. I think got back to the hotel just after one o'clock. You know, Paris traffic after a football match. You know, you can't expect a a quick getaway. And uh, yeah, today, this morning, uh, another long day in the tennis court. We're uh, back doing. Uh, there's a match at ten o'clock. British player named Edmund. He's uh, kicking off uh, the tennis this morning so um, you know with British interest and uh, any sports photographer out there will know you know you got to look after the you know the, the bigger markets for your uh, or your bigger clients so you know Britain Germany America you know apart from the obvious uh, Nadal Ferrer Ferreira I'm, I'm sure if I butchered that pronounce pronunciation again um, but yeah you've got to sort of look after those uh, even though they might not be you know top 10 players or whatever you've still got to make sure you get a couple frames of of everybody so uh, another long day on the tennis court lots of uh, singles court one court two light on court one's terrible and uh, yeah we'll another update either tonight or tomorrow from uh, today's tennis day five of the ATP Masters 1000, Rolex, Paris, Masters, I'm going to say Masters a few times. The uh, tennis yesterday, it went really well actually. Uh, there was a, quite a few nice pictures and um, it was... Um, there's Court 1 and Court 2 which I've talked about. Uh, court 2 I haven't even gone near because it's, it is, it's just so horrible for light. Uh, the light on Court 1 is terrible. Um, and it flickers, so even if you set your Kelvin, uh, your you know your white balance, and um, you know you, you you think you know you think oh the lights are going to be consistent, but from three frames will be exposed three different exposures and three different color um, you know color settings. So you sort of you're in a you can't really win and you just hope that the frame that you shoot the one you know that has the best action or the ball in the frame or the full racket in the frame you know all the pictures that getty like um, that i like sending for getty um you know these kind of action uh is in the the one that's properly exposed i mean you know we're very uh, the cameras allow us to sort of you know if it does fail you know you're not stuck with that frame you can work on that shot and uh and on the good side of that you know this is the other thing which you know i wanted to mention uh, it, it it it's it's it 
you can actually use the bad light to your advantage. So there's out of those three sort of colors and exposures that I was talking about, what I've done is I've, I've set my camera to expose for the brightest light. So two of those frames as you're shooting, two of them are quite underexposed, but one of them is actually quite um, well exposed on the person. But because it's uh, the way the light seems to work, I don't know how, you know, I can't, I'm not a particle physicist. Um, I don't know exactly the, um, how the light waves work, but the light seems to fall nicely uh, uh, on the player, but the background seems to drop off. So I've got a couple of frames, and if anyone, again, looking at my social media or my Instagram, you'll see that there's a couple of frames where actually the background goes black and it really sort of emphasizes the, 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 the players. Um, so um, I've got a really nice photo that I'm really happy with of a Japanese player. Just, you know, he's doing a normal swing. Ball's um, on the top left-hand corner of the frame. He's on the right side of the frame. The racket's sort of up and, you know, the background has dropped completely off. And, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that I can show anybody my RAWs uh, or my RAWs, my the you know my JPEGs. We only shoot JPEG at, at Getty, um, that which may change soon. But at the moment, we only shoot on JPEG. I'm very proud to say that you know I can show you my RAW picture and I can show you the final sent image, and uh, you can see that the picture is the same. Um, I'm, I'm seeing it a lot more often now, um, definitely because of the technology. This is going to be my little rant for the day. Um, a lot of photographers seem to be underlensing a lot of stuff, and it's something that, I don't know, I'm not too... I'm not, I don't know, anyway. There's a lot of photographers that are shooting everything really loose and just using Photoshop and, you know, doing a massive crop and then, you know, they shoot it in raw and then they, you know, select things and they highlight this and then darken that. And, you know, if you look at the original frame and the frame that's uh, the frame that's presented and the frame that has been, you know, shot... I mean, you know, some of these pictures don't even look like from from the same camera. So, um, I I know there's an argument for doing that, and there's an argument not for doing that. But there are photographers who pretty much never get anything right in the camera, and get everything right in the Photoshop. They're better Photoshoppers than they are photographers. Which, again, you know, maybe from my um, education from the Clive Masons and Sean Bottrells of this world, and I really try to sort of hit that mark of what they do and I never will hit that mark I'll just state that right now I'll never hit that quality but that's the that's for me that's the benchmark you know the guys that look at get it right in camera take it out quick crop tidy it up you know slight adjustment on levels bang send you know none of this you know 30 minutes to edit one picture this is sports photography not uh, fashion high-end fashion magazine photography so there rant out of the way um today we have another long day uh, it's now 10 a.m in the morning uh on wednesday the 2nd of november um hopefully this podcast gets released uh, soon enough for it to be relevant but the yes yeah, so i've got a long day again uh morning and evening session of tennis uh, uh lots of french 
playing. Nadal played yesterday, so I don't think he's playing today. But um, yeah, he played yesterday, and obviously it was quite interesting actually to see as well. Uh, one more thing, interesting to see. Uh, I was watching the other photographers, which I do a fair bit, just to see what people are looking at, and you know I like to see what other people are doing as well because I'm a curious guy. But um, a lot of photographers uh, were Nadal was playing against the Korean player. And I was just watching, after getting the photos I wanted, I just sat there for just for a couple of minutes, uh, watching what other photographers were doing. And uh, there were maybe 20 plus photographers, yeah, 20 plus photographers shooting. And I think one of them, for about 10 seconds, went on the Korean and then everyone worked in a dull. So I always wonder what it must feel like as a professional athlete to be playing against one of the you know, premium, world's best, and always sort of, you know, you're in the spotlight when you're standing next to that player and then everybody goes on to the other player. So that was, I thought that was quite interesting, but uh, Nadal won, so there wasn't any shock of uh, yesterday. But Tsonga, one of the um, tournament favourites and one of the crowd favourites, uh, lost yesterday. He won the first set and lost the next two, so that wasn't... Uh, that wasn't a very good thing for the organisers of the tournament. They always like to see the bigger names go through. But another day of uh, another 12 hours or so of tennis uh, coming up. Thursday's tennis uh, day yesterday. I'm back in the media room this morning. Um, I had a little quick look through my pictures. Another, another uh, successful day, I would say, um, in terms of imagery. The pictures were nice. Um, I got a really nice celebration I'm really happy with and uh, it made it into uh, pictures of the day uh, that our picture desk, uh, Getty Images uh, London picture desk and I'm sure the New York desk but I only deal with the London picture desk, they, they sort of select pictures, that, you know, they look at all the pictures that come through during the day, news, sport and entertainment and they select the pictures that they uh, like uh, and they sort of put a little sort of get to a little collection together of their favorite uh, favorite images and uh, one of my pictures of a Vadasco I hope I'm saying that correct uh, again I'll apologize for all pronunciation and mistakes um, he's a Spanish player and by pure co coincidence uh, his girlfriend or wife girlfriend wife uh, partner was sitting almost behind me uh, on in the in the celebrity section uh, at the at court side on center courts at the and yeah he looked at her and put his hand out and you know like his open palm and sort of was like almost trying to grab her it looked like it anyway it looked like he was trying to grab something and started screaming it was a very obscure and weird celebration but um, yeah, I've got his hand on the side and his face is there and it's a black background because uh, the spotlight goes on and um, from experience and from seeing it the last few games, as soon as the match finishes, all the lights in the stadium stay on, but they also bring on an extra spotlight. So the first time this happened, I um, underexposed, uh, overexposed, sorry, the, the players start celebrating and I saw it in the camera but didn't think it was that bad and uh, overexposed it so as he was celebrating I'm shooting away and then uh, because I shoot in JPEG uh, 
lucky it was one of the first rounds um, and so it didn't really matter I didn't send any of the pictures I just sort of put it down chalked it up to experience and made sure that next time I dropped the ISO bumped up the shutter speed a little bit kept it at 2.8 obviously and um, exposed it right so this time when it happened with Vidasco he starts celebrating as soon as the match finished I pretty much put my camera settings to the light that I knew was going to come in and uh, yeah exposed it right he celebrates and uh, that picture made it picture of the day so you know it's a small reward for a day but um, I was happy with it and uh, yeah Nadal played again and uh, I went as high as I could in the stadium into the top top tier of the stands and uh, used my 400 with a converter and shot him head on with the Paris logo that's uh, marked into the ground so you could sort of see that obviously he's playing a hard court in Paris um, yeah overall a good day photography wise I was happy uh, just long days you know I think I got into the work yesterday I think when I did my last recording yesterday it was just after 9 9 30 in the morning and I, th I left here going on 10 30 to 11 o'clock so you know you, it's a 14 hour day um, which is you know, long and normal for these kind of tournaments uh, you know you're not constantly running non-stop non-stop you do get a chance to take a break you know in, in between matches and uh, um, in between sets you can sort of leave you know go get a drink and come back and that kind of thing but you know you sort of still need to be on the court uh, covering uh, getting all the players especially the uh, players of uh, interest like the Nadal's like the Del Potro's like the Vadasco's so you know uh, and you know if I'm honest the the biggest player at this tournament is Nadal um, he won yesterday and la late last night, like I said, but he will be playing uh, the first thing this afternoon. Um, so it's going on midday now. Uh, it's a later start because we're into the quarterfinals, so only four matches today, uh, not including doubles. And uh, yeah, another long-ish day, depending on how the matches go. Uh, because it's not a Grand Slam, their players only play best of best of three. Uh, but if each match goes three sets, you know, you're looking at it two or three hours sometimes for each match still. And yeah, you know, I remember last time I was here a couple of years ago, the one of the matches uh, went, you know, well, well into the night, one thirty, one o'clock in the morning finish. So, you know, if you have the second last match, which normally starts at about quarter to eight in the evening, um, you know, if that runs for two or three hours, two hours, say, you know that finishes at 10:30. By the time they bring on the next game, it's after 11 o'clock, and then you know that goes for one or two hours. You know, easy. You know that can go for two hours. Then you're looking at one o'clock finish, and you're back in first thing again. So, you know these tournaments are um, they can be brief and quick. You know, and a player just dominates another player. But you know sometimes you do get those days where it can stretch out. But uh, overall, like I said, I was quite happy with my pictures yesterday and uh, feedbacks feedback's been okay and uh, another day of pure tennis and let's see how it goes today hopefully Nadal gets through that will keep the interest from the public um, and the media around the world and other press um, uh, stay more interested if you've got a big name like Nadal and you know and you can see that as well I think you know again I don't have any contact or any uh, interaction with the organizers of the tournament but I can 
uh, speaking from experience, I know that you know, that, you know, and speaking from uh, speaking to other organisers of these tournaments, that you know they want to have the biggest names in the final. You know, if you've got a 100 versus 50 ranked player in the world in the final, uh, interest TV wise and uh, media worldwide wise. Uh, sort of wanes quite dramatic, uh, dramatically, and Nadal, he's never he's played this tournament for ten years or so, if not longer, and he's never won it, and he's the firm favourite, and I think he wants to win it before he goes to London to play the uh, end of season grand finale, um, uh, see, yeah, season finale. So I think Nadal will hopefully get to the final, and he's playing again today, so we'll see how it goes squeaky chair at the in the media room in the morning uh, come in early set up templates uh, get a look at the brief we have a photographer's uh, brief from ATP um, from the uh, men's tennis association we uh, sort of had to come in and do some signs and uh, boards and um, you know advertising all around the stadium uh, around the main center court uh, my yeah sorry the biggest story though was yesterday the player that I was talking about making the tournament Rafael Nadal has pulled out injured so we had um, <laughs> sorry people are laughing at me talking to my hairy microphone um, yeah we had Nadal, who won the previous night, um, finished the night with a bit of a bandage on his leg, but uh, he came in this morning, and uh, look, I'm just going to say it straight out, you know, I sort of try and keep it as, say it as, as it is, they announce a press conference at exactly the same time as the first match starts, so instead of having the players coming out and they come out of a player's tunnel and it's well lit and it's quite cool actually it makes a nice photo so they announce a press conference at exactly the same time as the first match starts which i just find a little bit you know give us five minutes to get onto the center court any but they didn't so we had so we missed the first the start of the first match of the day because we had to do the uh, press conference which was the biggest story of the day so I don't understand why they don't do it, you know, 10 minutes after the match starts or 5 minutes or 10 minutes before the match starts, but they didn't. So I shot the press conference. Uh, obviously, with these kind of things, you know, that's the story of the day already. Um, so as soon as you shoot, uh, he probably spoke for 10 or 15 minutes and uh, I shot the first 3 or 4 minutes of it, you know, just to drop a couple frames and... Um, yeah, dropped a couple frames, get it online, and then ran out to get uh, some action and reactions from the first match. And it worked out to be a good day again. Nice celebrations, uh, good results. A uh, French player named Benedou, Benedou, I'm going to butcher his name again, I'm sorry. He won. Um, and, you know, being one of the only French players left in the tournament in Paris... He definitely had the support behind him, and he almost broke into tears and went and hugged his parents after the after the after the final um, after the final shot. So that all went down well, and made some good photos as well. So 
another good day on the on the court and today we're into the semi-finals um, today I'll probably shoot a little bit of the doubles uh, men's doubles doesn't really it's not really that interesting for um, picture wise it's a bit samey but um, we also uh, we cover it mainly we cover the final of the men's doubles but not many that it's not that much media interest in the um, earlier rounds um, so I'll cover that today cover the men's uh, single semi-finals obviously and then um, hopefully it won't be a crazy long day like the last uh, few days have been day of the tournament um, so I will do a review after the uh, final um, but we have a bit of a weird one actually because um, normally when you get to finals you get uh, a few you know there's always a player of notable um, quality and uh, a name that's fairly well recognized usually in the quarters or the semis even um, but uh, today's Rolex Masters has a file, a uh, final with uh, Philip Kranovich and Jack Sock. Now, to those of you who are not tennis experts, and I definitely classify as one of those, um, they're two names which um, Sock you might have heard of. You know, American, fairly you know top top seventy, I think he is. Um, but Krantrovich uh, Philip is a, and I'm hoping I'm again pronouncing that right, is a, um, he was a qualifier. Um, he was supposed to play Nadal in the quarterfinals. Nadal pulled out injured. So he got through to the semi and um, he beat uh, John Isner of the USA. Uh, big serving Isner, which um, he's very good to photograph actually, Isner. Uh, he's got some booming serves. Uh, was, I think the fastest serve I I had seen on court was about 222 kilometers an hour, which um, it's not great to photograph, but my God, it, uh, it's impressive to see. Uh, but uh, yeah, Kranjevic, uh, Kranjevic score uh, celebrated. As soon as the game finished, you know, after his victory, he started uh, crying and, uh, you know, thumbs up and uh, kisses to the crowd. So it made some good pictures. Um, yeah, and Jack Sock uh, is quite an emotional player as well. He seems to, uh, I don't know why, but maybe it's just me that I've noticed, uh, I've, you know, on, the, on his way to the final. He seems to like to, uh, like to get the crowd against him. He rebels and he'll hit the ball against the net or hit the ball into the crowd and the crowd boos. And for some reason, I don't know if that sort of gets him fired up or something. But anyway, he's in the final. It's not the yeah, so it's not the most glamorous final. But whoever wins uh, will definitely show uh, emotion, which is great. Um, sometimes you get these winners who, you know, maybe they're used to it or they've done it many times before or whatever. Then they don't, you know, they obviously they. Acknowledge the fans, you know, um, 
but you know Kranjevic if he wins Kranjevic sorry if he wins I think he will go crazy you know he'll probably drop to the ground he'll cry he'll run over to his uh, support uh, his fans uh, his family that are that, he, that he's got here or his coaches so you know I'm looking I, I hope he wins actually but we'll see what happens there um, I've got a doubles final today as well and uh, you should would have seen some of this stuff pop up on social media and uh, yeah looking forward to a, another good final day and then uh, in our meeting uh, photographers meeting uh, we've been given allocated armbands uh, the agencies get preference obviously because they get the most uh, coverage and uh, yeah we'll see what happens after the after today Masters, uh, long another long day um, as these events tournaments usually are. Um, I finished, so we only had the two matches, but uh, I got in early, and uh, I can't remember, but I'm sure I've mentioned it already. I, we had uh, we do Getty works for the ATP, so we have a, a, a brief. It's not a huge brief, but like we have. To cover, um, you know, signage and uh, and uniforms of the the, the ball kids and the uh, line judges and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, had to get in early, and um, I've been shooting that stuff uh, on and off during the event during the week. But then, you know, obviously, last day of the event, you want to make sure that you've got everything. So you come in early, you go through the brief again, you tick all the boxes in terms of what's uh, what's expected. Um, from the client, um, as uh, you would have heard many times before on the podcast, you know you've got to make sure you get what the client wants. That's probably one of the most important things for um, uh, as a photographer. You know, making sure the customers are happy. Well, I guess that that goes for any business. Um, but yeah, so got that all done, um, and also yeah, the event shot doubles final which um, I haven't really shot much doubles uh, during the week uh, mainly I mean this is going to sound a bit horrible too but there's not that much media interest um, and it's pretty evident to see as well like when you're there with all the writers you know they do get it obviously gets a mention and it's 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 an important part of tennis but in terms of uh, media interest it, 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 it sort of pales in comparison to the singles side of it so um, it was nice to see. Uh, it was a good final. Um, it went to three sets, or you know, two sets, and then like a tiebreaker for the third set. And uh, a very large crowd showed up as well, which I think the the players appreciated. Um, listening to their speeches after they, you know, I'm, I'm sure they've probably played uh, tournaments where they don't get um, a large crowd to see their final. So um, that was good. And um, I think the unusual thing for me, um, not not being the the you know the biggest follower of tennis, is uh, to see um, uh, two players who obviously are talented because they're professionals, but um, that are not really that often in finals. So we had Jack Sock and uh, Krankovic, 
Um, again, I'm, I apologize, uh, Sok. I know I've pronounced that right, but uh, Kranjovic, uh, I'm, sh I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, but um, any tennis followers out there will know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah, that was the final. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a good match. Um, and the crowd loved it. Uh, it was, it was always going to be good as well to have a new winner. Um, again, this is probably not something that, uh, that most people will say, but when you have, um, you know, you've got your usual, your Djokovic, your, your, uh, Murray, your Nadal, your Federer, obviously, you know, the tournament organizers, um, as well as the photographers, as well as the journalists, you know, you always want to see the best in the finals. But, you know, every now and then, for me, this is just a personal thing. This has nothing to do with sales or Getty or whatever or, or what, what, what journalists want. Um, I always like to see um, some of these, you know, lesser lesser names, you know, no disrespect, but lesser names getting to the final because you always, you, you're going to get a little bit more, you're going to get some sort of emotion and some expression of, um, of joy and defeat, you know, which, you, you know, you don't normally get, you know, sometimes when uh, some of these, uh, you know, supreme athletes, these guys at the top of the game, they win an event, um, you know, it's, it's almost uh, from the crowd and from them, it's almost expected. So when you've got somebody who, you know, you don't see celebrating a tournament win very often, um, it was it was great to see. So, you know, we got the, a good celebration. He ran over to his team first thing and celebrated with them. And then he, he um, celebrated with his girlfriend, you know, he gave her a big kiss on the side. So obviously a lot of the photographers and the crowd, you know, thought that was fantastic. And yeah, it was a, it was a good display of emotion from, um, from, from the winner, from Jack. And also it was... Um, you know, a disappointing end for a uh, uh, Serbian uh, Krankovic to uh, to lose. Um, you know, his first ATP final, all that kind of stuff. But you know, after that, you we uh, you shoot the pictures, we run inside, you send off. You know, obviously you've already filed some action pictures and some reactions during the match. Then we after the as soon as the match point is done. We um, we uh, walk around into the court. We we had a meeting in the morning to find out. This is another reason why you get in early, um, to find out exactly how the photographers will approach. And uh, again, as I've said many times before, I'm lucky. I work for a bigger agency, so we sort of get a bit of preference. Um, AP, um, and Associated Press, AFP, uh, Getty Images, Reuters. Uh, also, uh, someone uh, who works with the tennis magazine, who covers all the events, we sort of get priority in terms of w w the position for the trophy photo. So we had center, center, center uh, spots uh, down low, up high, and uh, yeah. So we we get, <clears throat> excuse me, we get preference, um, and uh, yeah. So we took our pictures, and then as soon as those pictures are done, the trophies, you know, kissing the trophy. Uh, speeches, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we run inside, send our photos, and then, um, and then, yeah, then uh, after I think maybe half an hour to an hour after you've sent off the, you know, the priority pictures, the the trophies, the match points, um, yeah, trophy match point, all that kind of stuff. Um, we the uh, larger agencies had the opportunity to shoot, uh, to take a photo of um, Jack uh, Jack Sock with the trophy. Again, 
um, inside the player's tunnel. Now, if you followed me on social media, you would have seen there's a photo, it's like a hexagon uh, light tunnel. I mean, it's hard to explain, but there's sort of, uh, it's a hexagon shaped tunnel. And every, say, meter to meter and a half, there's like a light bar, uh, LED bar, and there's the players walk in and out, oh, sorry, out before the match. These lights flash and, you know, it makes quite a nice picture. And then uh, at the end of the tournament, we uh, are lucky enough again to get the winner of the tournament posing inside that, you know, and, you know, he steps further back and then he comes closer. And again, it, it makes a nice photo. I actually took studio lights with me to do a, a little feature, but that photo was probably better, uh, you know, to have this sort of elaborate tunnel you know, and the lights shining on him. The light is actually quite nice on his face. Um, it's well lit. It's probably a better shot. And also, uh, sometimes with the athletes, you know, they've 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 they play a tournament and they move on quickly, um, fairly quickly to the next tournament. And Jack winning this tournament mean that he was uh, playing in the uh, end of season tournament in London. So uh, the organisers, when I was asking to do this uh, mini studio setup pretty much were really hesitant and didn't want to do it and you know I didn't I didn't I didn't fight the case um, so you know we I got a nice photo like I said there was more than enough images of of, of the winner um, and yeah and then straight after the tournament finishes get back in the car for four and a half hour journey back home um, yeah so again another long day and uh, but yeah fairly easy drive home and uh, yeah, another tournament finished. Another, uh, a, another. Um, I think a good set of pictures, um, good feedback, and uh, yeah. As soon as I got home, I went through all my images from the week and um, selected all the, uh, the the sponsors' images that were required um, from our from our from our ATP ATP brief, and um, yeah. St- Put them into a drop them off in an on a FTP, um, a, a link that uh, our sales team in the, the states had sent me, and I dropped all those pictures, you know, the five or six hundred pictures of uh, various angles and all that kind of stuff through to them. So, you know, twelve hours after the tournament's done, by the time all those, you know, couple gig or whatever it is, uh, transfer through on the FTP, and a couple of hours after it's done, it's archive archive your images and on to the next event so yeah that was my and i hope you enjoyed my uh weekly my week in paris at the rolex masters i'm pretty sure that uh the event organizers at the accor arena um, in Paris, where I shot this event, will not listen to the show, but um, I just wanted to put out a special mention how well they looked after all the media. Um, I don't mention that side of the job enough looking back on it now. Um, I know it's a massive operation to organize you know, the media as well as uh, the event itself, so um, I will try and uh, give out special mentions um, for these uh, for this side of the uh, job. You know, again, it's part of the sports photography, even though it's more behind the camera. Having a media manager as well at a, an event 
um, always make sure that we as the photographers can work better and you know we have all the information and even the little things like providing water or um, some food um, as you heard the hours can be long so not having uh, to run around out of a venue or line up with the at the food concession stands with the spectators means we can focus on the photography so um, yeah I hope you uh, got something out of this show and enjoyed some of the aspects of my ramblings Okay, I mentioned this a few times that I'm a bit of a podcast addict. I listen to loads of different shows. Um, I'm guilty uh, of listening and not contacting or reviewing, but I will make an effort to do so, and I'm asking you to please do me the same and uh, write a review on whatever platform you are listening to this. I have to do a quick hello to uh, Anatoly Cherskarov, Colin Bradbury and Stephen MacArthur who all sent me kind words via email which I loved so many thanks guys I'm glad you are using my conversations um, for ideas and tips and that is exactly what I intended for the show if I can any help with anything else like um, feedback of your work anybody out there I'm uh, yeah in between uh, jobs I'm sure I can uh, have a quick look at a couple websites if you want to have a look and just uh, get my feedback if that's interesting at all for anybody i doubt it but anyway we'll leave it at that um for the newbies who have uh, just stumbled across this sports photography podcast uh, please subscribe via itunes soundcloud or your pod platform of choice again and of course um any mentions you want to put uh on uh, social media with this uh, podcast i'm uh, more than open to any uh, suggestions uh, again twitter instagram all sports snapper and website allsportsnapper.com. Last thing, observe, listen, and practice. Because your best photos, you won't